welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Houtini, back with my wonderful co-host, Christian Conway. Three's a crowd, but four's a company. We are excited to have you back. And I hope you enjoyed our new intro song. If you didn't catch it um, when we did the Simplys, you get to hear it now. Um, so, yeah, uh, we are going to talk U.S. Women's National Team and then what you're here for, I'm sure, L.A. Galaxy. But as uh, just a reminder for those that are new um, or those that have been listening but haven't yet, like us, follow us, subscribe, uh, give us that feedback. We really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. Hello, new listeners, and welcome back, our our loyals. Yeah, we've never we've never looked better as we we continue to age with grace. Yeah, and I really appreciate um, all of the listeners, and of course Christian. Um, um, we actually uh, have a friend um, that I was helping a friend with teaching, and then it turns out that we have a mute or could have a mutual friend. He's he's a listener, and when it turned out that he's her husband's like one of his best friends, I was like, oh, okay. So shout out to Ethan if you're listening, um, or I know you are, because she said that you already listened to us. So much appreciated. And it just turns out how how small the uh, LA Galaxy world is, but yet. We still have people that we have to meet. So um, as we dive into She Believes Cup, um, I'm actually going to be attending both those matches in person. So it's it's great that they get to be hosted at Dignity Health Sports Park, our home, but then also on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, this is a fantastic chance for the U.S. Women's National Team. I think you look at kind of what Vlatko... Has, has tried to do after um, the Olympic failure, which I, I, I don't think is as big of a failure as everyone makes it out to be. But I think you talk about, like, this U.S. women's national team that he's going to start calling up. Obviously, we had the training camp that was called up recently. It's going to look a little different than what we're used to, and I think I'm really excited to see that. I think you talk about a lot of very good players that are finally getting their opportunities. You know, like, I mean, personally, as someone who supports San Diego Wave, seeing Girma get her opportunity and seeing Jalen Howell get her opportunity. Um, I think this is going to be a very interesting tournament in terms of roster build because I think, again, we're starting to begin this this cycle of everyone that you are so used to may not be there anymore. Um, they play two very difficult teams. I think, you know, New Zealand is a very, you know, underrated opponent. I think, you know, watching them in 2019 and, and, and knowing kind of the, the growth cycle of that team, I think they've They've really grown into themselves, and I'm actually very excited to see how the United States handles that. And then as someone who's very, very familiar with the Czech Republic team, considering I lived there for a year and a half and, and, and have followed the Naroniak um, for a, a while now, I mean, you know, yes, they're third in the Women's World Qualifying Group. They had a disappointing 2021, but, you know, they, they only missed out in the Women's Euros by a penalty shootout against Switzerland. Switzerland's been fantastic um, over the past two years. I mean, Carl Rada has been leading a very good young team. Um, that is kind of pockmarked with these very good veterans like Lucy uh, Martinikova. Um, this is an interesting test for the U.S. I really do think this is. Um, it's not a She Believes Cup that we're used to, right? Like, the She Believes Cup, I've always felt, is this, like, uh, crowning ceremony of how good the U.S. Women's National Team are. They're going to play some tough teams. I mean, they, they, they play New Zealand, they play the Czech Republic, but they also play Iceland, who is second in the World Cup qualifying group. They only lost twice in 2021. They beat Ireland. They beat the Czech Republic. They beat Japan, who are all very good teams. 
I mean, they they've qualified for the past three tournaments, like uh, the past three Euro tournaments. Excuse me. The U.S. is going to face some challenges here, and I think this is going to be very interesting to see how like the Vlatko rebuild is starting to is starting to congeal. Um, and I, I do think this is a very difficult tournament for the U.S., which I'm glad they have chosen for themselves. Would you say that this is Vlako's team now because he had taken over before? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, he was very hamstrung in the Olympics. I think, you know, you look at that Olympic roster, it, it definitely didn't reek of a team that, you know, was young, exciting, precocious, et cetera. And I think Vlako was handed a poison chalice the minute he took the job when the Olympics were delayed for a year because everyone wanted to run it back with the crew from 2019, right? Like, this was this whole entire concept of, hey, you know, like, we have to give them one more shot. You know, that crew that won in 2015, 2019, we have to give them one more chance. But Vlaco wasn't hired for that purpose. Vlaco was hired to bring in new players. So I think this is going to be very interesting to see where he sees the player group at this point in time. I think we're going to see a lot of names that we are very not familiar with, but I also think we're going to see some names that we are familiar with that he's trying to figure out how it all shapes in. And I think this is going to be... What I would say is the She Believes Cup, I wouldn't look into this as this is where the U.S. Women's National Team is right now. What I more say is this is where Vlatko is kind of shaping things as we go along. And I think this is going to be a learning experience for this U.S. Women's National Team, and I think they kind of need it. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that this is kind of refreshing in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, like you said, there's still going to be names there that we know and love. And, you know, it's an interesting transition, you know, um, not to compare the, the U.S. men in any kind of way, but just, you know, growing up with familiar names. I mean, you could even do that with the U.S. women, right? We have our Mia Hams, we have our, um, you know, our Clint Dempsey's, right? But now it's time for this this new age, and I think that, you know, with so many young people that have this opportunity, um, now that San Diego Wave is is going to be a team, and you know, uh, Angel City FC is going to start. There's there's a lot of um, the eyes that I think are going to be on the U.S. Women's National Team, and a lot of more opportunity. And this is this is that development that we're talking about. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate the fact that you mentioned development and expansion uh, for the NWSL because. I was thinking about it today, like, you know, NWSL, we look at what San Diego has done, what Angel City has done already in, in their very short histories. A rising tide lifts all boats. And I think NWSL right now is in this very weird position where if you think about a lot of the off-the-field stuff, and we talked about this on an episode last season where I I kind of was very angry at the fact that we failed these athletes. But we're also in a position where, look, I mean, like, we have two teams in the league that have spent a bunch of money to literally from day one be competitive like i was texting a friend today you know that i'm going to be a season ticket holder with for the san diego wave where i was like i would be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs and if you look at the roster they've built well two of those players are now with the u23s for the u.s women's national team guillermo's with the full national team like the the more like they're getting more opportunities right and what i think vladko has done so incredibly well in his tenure is give opportunities to players that I think a Jill Ellis or maybe a um, Tom Sermani or something like that would overlook. He's willing to go in and say, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm handing you this chance. Prove to me that you can do this. Rather than saying, you know, oh, you're not part of the elite of this, you know, of the U.S. Women's National Team names. 
I'm not giving you that chance. And I think that's an incredibly refreshing thing to be around. And I, I would caution this. I, I don't know if we're going to win the, the She Believes Cup. It's kind of become a fait accompli that the U.S. Women's National Team wins the She Believes Cup. They're hosted after all. And it's kind of like, you know, here's how to stroke our ego. I think this one's going to be a little different because I think Vlatko is literally going to give a lot of opportunities to players that are not first name players on the roster. And I think I've, I've talked about this before, but I think the She Believes Cup and I think what's going to come in the next year and why the Olympics were kind of weird and like why this period of time in the U.S. Women's National Team cycle is kind of weird, right? Is that we're experiencing a change in a changing of the guard. We're, we're seeing a new generation come on, you know? And what Vlatko is doing is basically putting these players in a position to say, all right, make a name for yourself. Become Carly Lloyd. Become Megan Rapinoe. Become Alex Morgan, whatever have you. You know, Mia Hamm. The names roll off the tongue, right? Mm-hmm. And he's asking these players to take that moment. And what I think we'll see in She Believes Cup and I think what we'll see kind of moving towards qualification and the W Championship and then the, uh, the World Cup in 2023 is Vlatko's going to take the people that are like, yep, this is my moment. I think there's some names that we can already kind of pick out, like, for example, Katarina Macario. I think that's a name that we should be very comfortable with. Um, Sophia Smith, I think that's a name we should be very comfortable with. Bella Bixby, I think that's another name we should be very comfortable with. But, you know, he's he's not just kind of going off of pedigree. He's going off of prove it to me. And I think this is the first time the U.S. Women's National Team has had that in a bit. And I'm really excited to be a part of it, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you said... Um... And we all know that we expect the U.S. women to win. And as much as we want them to, I do want that challenge. I want these girls to be able to, or these women, excuse me, to, to show their stuff. You know, they're, they're just so young now. I just said girls. But, um, yeah, um, I, I well, want them to be able to show point, it and make a name for themselves, you know? Really quickly on that point about, like, you know, they're so young nowadays. What was the last women's camp that we saw called up where, like, four of them were college players, you know? Like, there's never been this pipeline. And I think what Vlaco's trying to do is build that pipeline. It's exciting to be around. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's the first game is a midweek game. It's a Thursday. But I had to say yes, even though it's 8 o'clock at night and it's a school night, you know, I just figured the next day is a Friday. I'll get through it. Um, but, but I... I, you know, that was a, one of the contentions that people had with this was like, well, look at the times. How's anybody going to watch this? Like, this is the exposure that, that this is the chance these teams can, can get to show and like kind of bring more of an audience to, to the U.S. women's team, you know, and, and that they're playing at, at the diggity. It's not what some people would say in the heart of L.A., you know, but I think, I think it's, it's going to be really fun. It's really great. I've always adored, um, you know, the, lo- the location of our stadium. Um, as part of these these big uh, tournaments. So yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited to be around it because I think what normally happens with the She Believes Cup is that it's the United States, England, Japan, insert other country here. Last time was Argentina. Um, a, pr- a couple of times. It, it, we're seeing nations that we're not used to, right? Like New Zealand, we're, we're, New Zealand we have a decent rapport with. We've, we've played a couple of times. So I'm Tom Sermani, head coach. Um, that noon kickoff on the Sunday is going to be a huge kind of like moment in Vlatko's career if they can put away a very decent opponent on national television on ABC. Like that's going to be big. Um, but again, they, they play two teams that are kind of teams that I don't think they would normally schedule. I mean, you talk about Iceland. 
And you talk about the Czech, uh, the Czech Republic. Like they, they are teams that kind of are quote unquote off the beaten path, but they've proven in their World Cup qualifying and their Euro qualifying, etc. You know, Brian's Jodier, and I definitely butcher that, has been brilliant for Iceland. Like I think there is evidence to believe that this isn't going to be easy for the U.S. Like, and I think this is going to like what's so been interesting about Vlako's tenure as it's evolved is that he likes challenges. He likes kind of going weird. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that he looked at the She Believes Cup and said, I'm not going to take Japan and I'm not going to take Australia. I'm going to take two nations that are very difficult to manage because we don't know what we're going to get. And I think I, I like that. That's it, it, like now we're starting to see Vlako Anonofsky kind of sink his teeth into being the U.S. Women's National Team Manager, and it's exciting to be around. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you said that, I thought, all right, a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get, right? And, uh, and, and, I, and I do have to, you know, tack that on to the galaxy right now. I mean, I think people are worried that, that's what, that we know what we're going to get because, you know, there hasn't been too much going on in this preseason. But I also say um, it, it does have to be something that we kind of have to wait and see how it's literally going to play out. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if before we quickly transition over the, the mm-hmm. Galaxy, I will say, if you find me at the Dignity Health Sports, or, uh, Dignity Health Sports Park uh, game uh, with uh, the U.S. Women's National Team of the Czech Republic, and I'm kind of in the corner, not sure which team to support. I lived in Prague for a year and a half. I'm a little torn on that one. <laughs> um, but in terms of the Galaxy, I mean, this has been a weird offseason, hasn't it been? Because it does feel like the Galaxy kind of think they're a little closer than a lot of us do. And I think I can understand the frustration of the fans and what AG was doing blocking fans for basically rightfully saying, hey, look, like we've been really disappointed over the past, what, five years? I, but like they didn't make any kind of stupid moves, right? Like, I mean, Kevin Leardam makes a ton of sense. Raheem Edwards, I mean, they worked, you know, Vanny and him worked together in Toronto. It kind of went decently well. Um, you know, they, they drafted smart, you know, from what I've at least seen, at least the limited footage I've seen of Mutatu, like, I'm kind of believing it. And then you think about the fact that they're kind of going to expect Cabral to take the next step. There's, it's an interesting offseason, right? Like, it, it does feel like, you know, everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop because we have a designated player spot open. But those don't normally drop in the winter, right? Because the winter window is always kind of weird. So, you know, I don't know what to make out of this. I mean, they obviously re-signed Victor Vasquez. We saw that today, about two hours before our recording time. Um, I don't know what to make of this offseason. But I do think the moves that they've made so far make a ton of sense to me. But they're not flashy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand uh, Galaxy fans concerns you know i understand you know they're antsy they're impatient and discouraged with the lack of the quote-unquote killer signing um and and some would even say that vanny's sightings are kind of blasé and too old in age but i feel like you know people need to have more patience and i mean as excited as i was to to see you know the draft and like we've got another goalkeeper in richard Sanchez, I mean, these are guys that you really don't think you're really going to see playing much. 
I think out of the signings that we've we've seen officially, and there is rumor that Marky Delgado is officially coming over. Um, I would say out of all the players, I'd say Kevin Leardam and Marky Delgado, if that's official, will be the the two that we see the most. I think Kevin Leardam, you know, the Kelvin, excuse me, Kevin, geez, it autocorrected in our in our Google Doc. Um, I think Kelvin Leardam makes a ton of sense. He's starting for um, for for um, his national team consistently. I mean, he's you know 113 apps, uh, appearances to Feyenoord. You know, Vitesse 106. That's a a pedigree that I I don't think the Galaxy can overlook. Um, and Marky Delgado was fantastic under Greg Vanny um, in in Toronto. Um, if that's official, again, we are waiting for that official confirmation. Um, I do think that you know if you have an open DP spot again we we talk about big moves and it's been a weird window because I think we have to kind of take a bit of a step back here and look globally at the the soccer economy if you will right like I mean congratulations my name is Professor Conway welcome to soccer economics 101 um but what I will say is that you look at the world of transfers since the pandemic hit everyone's asking for so much value without getting that money. Like, I mean, Insigne to Toronto for what? 46 million, like over the, uh, over the five years of the contract. Like what club is going to pay that? Now, I think there's a lot of teams that are trying to make up lost revenue and just a lot of clubs aren't going to buy it. So no club is going to go big this window, right? We're going to start looking at free agents. We're going to start looking at, you know, stuff like that in the summer. I think what the galaxy are doing and, 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 Again, there's no right way or wrong way to build a roster. Um, well, correction, there is a right way and a wrong way to build a roster. Um, ask Angel CFC about the wrong way to build a roster. Um, but if you're going to, you know, like a lot of MLS teams, what they'll do is they'll basically build a roster that's kind of like, let's limp our way into the summer window and then see what's available to us, right? Like it does feel like the Galaxy are kind of set up for that right now, where it's like Victor Vasquez makes a ton of sense, was fantastic last year. Kelvin Leardam, excellent player like you know a lot of just experience has been there before has won MLS Cups you know he's 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 done it Raheem Edwards Greg Vanny sees something in him god bless him I haven't seen it um you know Mutatu I think there's a lot there Callum Johnson from a little bit of the footage I've seen in the draft that makes a ton of sense you know they they drafted backup goalkeeper and Sanchez you know they they're doing moves that I think Galaxy fans aren't really used to kind of being like Ooh, this will be dope! Like because Galaxy fans are expecting us to sign Beckham or us to sign Keane or whatever. But these are moves that are trying to build a more complete team, so that when we get to the summer, that designated player spot starts to come a little bit more in play. And I think this is kind of we have to be okay with a team that's kind of built around. Hey, we're going to see what we can do in the summer versus we are going to sign a massive signing in the winter. Yeah, and I appreciate the veterans on the team. You know, um, like you said, Victor Vasquez, okay, he's 34 now, but yeah, he was second for assists in uh, the last season. And, you know, we have our, our set keepers. Um, you know, we are trying to build that depth that, that we keep talking about. Um, I mean, I, I remember Lirdam playing for the Sounders, and I, I thought he was great i definitely think he's threatening i think um he's solid so i could see that um raheem edwards um i know some people were kind of upset that he used to play for lafc and i'm just like this is one of those 
situations where this is sports, it's going to happen and, you know, baptize him a G as, as we said before. So for Hemalinen. And so um, I, I really think, um, okay, Richard Sanchez, again, we have two other keepers who are going to be in the spotlight, uh, as specifically Bond is still going to be our number one. Um, Clinton, I, I, I thought he was. I, I think there's some competition there. I will, I will oh, okay. not lie. Well, okay, and I was going to say, so Klinsman proved himself that, that one match, and um, I would love to see more of him as well. And, um, and it doesn't hurt to have Richard Sanchez there. Now, two years ago, when he played for Sporting Kansas City, um, some would say that it was he was the reason that they got eliminated from the MLS's back tournament. Now, the MLS's back tournament was a hard one to kind of assess because you know it was, it was a pandemic year and it was just like this i just feel like everybody sucked in, the, in that tournament um you know but at the same time you know it's been two years since that so all of these guys d deserve a fair chance and then um we not only get some preseason games we get what we're calling gold cella yes I, oh man I, I really wish they were letting us go <laughs> um yeah no i i this is such a weird offseason for the Galaxy, I will fully admit. I, they've made some moves that I was not expecting. And and I would say with Raheem Edwards, and we're not going to say it's official, but we're going to kind of say it's official. Uh, Marky Delgado, which, by the way, they got him for pennies on the dollar compared to what they gave up for Legette, um, or what they got for Legette, excuse me. Um, I mean, this is, is Greg Vanny getting his guys. Now, what I would say to the Galaxy fans that are very harsh on this offseason and very harsh on this team in general over the past year, year and a half. Greg Vanny made MLS Cup in his second year with Toronto with a roster that, I'm going to be very honest, was a lot worse than this. Um, he's got he's he's got good players. And, and I think, you know, again, I, I, I know I hate coming back to season three of Simply Soccer, but I will make a point that I made there. They replaced 19 players out of 23 players. Like, I mean, there is... I almost feel like they've been very slow this offseason because it's just like, hey, we don't need to do that again. We need to use what we got. And, I mean, they spent a ton of money on, on Kevin Cabral. You know, they got Gron who, you know, Michelle named as her player of the year in, in the Simplies. Um, you know, they, 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 they've spent money in a way that, like, I think what Greg Vanny is almost doing is just hitting the brakes and just basically saying, hey, let's use what we've got here. You know, like, and I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I really don't. Um I do think that um, if you're looking for any kind of um, uh, meaning out of the preseason, I'd say the New York Red Bulls game uh, yeah, at Golchella, which I refuse to call it the Coachella Valley Invitational. It is the Golchella. Um, that's going to be the game where we start to kind of see exactly what's going on here. And I think there's going to be, I, I do think there's going to be one or two shoes that fall, but I'm kind of pleased with where we're at right now. I mean, Kelvin Leardown is a is a fantastic obtainment. Raheem Edwards, fantastic obtainment. You know, Marky Delgado, again, not official, but official. Um, that's another fantastic obtainment. And so I think it's not necessarily a question of we're blowing it up again and we're going to rebuild it. It's a question of we need to do minor corrections. It's, okay, stealing a space analogy here. Um, it's basically like when you have a rocket that's about to, you know, dock with the ISS. We're not yeeting that thing full speed. 
for putting little minor correction burns. And I think a lot of the settings they made are, are those, which is just minor correction burns that make a ton of sense. So I, I, I think for all the Galaxy fans that are looking at an empty DP spot and basically saying, like, look, we could do better with this, I think everything's kind of okay right now. And I know that's a controversial opinion in the Galaxy circles right now. But I do think I, I, I kind of like where things are right now. Well, I was going to say, isn't this what the people listen to us for? Because there, there is some competition in the Galaxy podcast world. So well, I appreciate everyone who listens to everybody, but also chooses to listen to us. Um, but the reason I say, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you said that we have to use what we got. That the Galaxy have spent money that what we, uh, yeah, referring back to last year, and we can't say it enough, about how this is a rebuild. That these are the uncomfortable moves for us Galaxy fans, when, you know, like I said, we're used to championships. We want to get that back. We see other teams catching up. We see the competition. We feel the pressure. I understand all of that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and quote Tool. Um, I can't see it so we don't get sued. But, you know, there's that famous song, Schism, of like, I know the pieces fit because I watched them tumble down. Well, and, yeah. So, again, I... I, 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 I we're going. I guess we're we're kind of getting at a topic that I really would like to talk about, which is this whole entire misconception on Twitter that we have to blow it up again, right? Because it does feel like a lot of Galaxy fans on Twitter are just like, "Hey, it didn't work again. Let's completely destroy the system again." It's like, I wish I had a system of downcode or something like that, but I don't. You're you're better with music than I am. It, <laughs> you have to understand that rebuilds take time. You can't. I mean, look at the past five years of the Galaxy, right? Six different head coaches, completely different rosters every year. And it's like, you know, I, I hate to compare us to this, but I'm going to. Because we've been the laughing, laughing stock of the league for about the past, what, three years? Um, this is what Vanny adopted in Toronto, which is that he took a team that had no idea what to do. And every single year spent millions upon millions of dollars to be the last in the league. They need to... Like, like you said earlier, they need to work with what they've got. And I think, I mean, yeah, Cabral didn't work the first year. I think it's going to work this year. Grand Seer was fantastic. Had to overwork. I think his load's going to get a little easier. Victor Vasquez, yeah, that's a lot. Relying on a 34-year-old number 10, but maybe this time. Um, Chicharito, you are expecting a full season out of him after what happened last year. Like, if you look at the way the Galaxy have built things, they haven't made bad bets, if you think about it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. again, when you walk up to the gambling table, sometimes you're not going to win your bets. And the Galaxy, for all of 2021, lost all their bets. And they lost all their bets while only being out of the playoff spot for, and I reinforce this, five minutes on the last day. And yeah, I understand the argument that they should have gotten this done earlier and yada, yada, yada. They were out of the playoffs for five minutes the entire season. Like, this doom and gloom narrative that Galaxy fans continually espouse. I'm like, guys, you know, like, let's be aware of where we were and what we've got, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's where we have to break down the narrative and we have to break down um, the assumptions that come in, right? Um, so I, I understand how people feel like what you see is what you get, especially with a player like Cabral. Um, but again, except for his little, you know, lackadaisical way of of taking shots i would say he's still scored he's still like you have to look at what these guys did like you said 
Grantsier, I he was my player of the year because of how much hard work he put in. Now, was that because he had so much put on him? Look, as long as he can still bring it and take that... I mean, who doesn't need a little pressure let off? Who doesn't need a little bit of the work, like, more evenly distributed uh, amongst our team? So I... I understand the concerns as, as far as age goes, but again, right now, especially with the transition, you want to have these veteran players there to be able to to help with that. Quickly on the Cabral front, because um, it, it sparked a, a thread in my brain about a fantastic column that Matt Doyle wrote on MLSsoccer.com. Um, Cabral's uh, five goals came about on just nine expected goals and nine XG in 2000 MLS minutes is actually pretty promising for a kid. Puts him in the 94th percentile as per sec, uh, second spectrum amongst all uh, MLS boyangers on a per 90 basis. He's going to regress to the mean. Now, when we talk about regressing to the mean on this podcast, usually it means something negative. If he's five on nine expected, regressing to the mean means he's going upwards, right? So, the, 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 like... There are so like there's there there are there are if we're, I'm in New York it's supposed to snow in about like two hours. If we're talking about like the field of frost, right? That is the galaxy right now. There's tendrils of growth that are starting to come up where I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I do agree with a lot of the 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 loud chorus that they've underperformed, but there there are there are parts in this where I'm like, yes, this makes a ton of sense. But also curb your expectations because, you know, you're getting new guys in. They have to They have to adjust. You have to give them this time to adjust. I hate to be that person that sounds like trust the process. But, like, what else, what else are you going to do? Vanny is getting his guys in. Um, the Galaxy have spent their money. There's still a summer window. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't over by any means. I understand the feelings of Klein out. Okay, we've been saying that for like a lot of years. And we, could re- it, we could record an entire podcast about how much I want Chris Klein to be out of this club. Cor- correct. And, and also that, you know, if you're going that far, then it, it, there's a lot more at the top that, that it needs to go further. But if you really want to truly do that, you think you're frustrated and impatient now, just wait until you would have to, you'd have to start over. Like top to bottom. Which you know what I'm saying? Which we, so. we've done like every year for the past five years. Like we have to let this breathe. It's like a good wine. You have to let, yes. you have to let it aerate, and then you will find the joy in it. I like that. <laughs> I really like that. Um, so I don't know if we have anybody drinking any wine as we uh, as you listen, but um, if you got this far, go have a glass of wine or some beer now. <laughs> Take your shot of whiskey, whatever it is you're doing. Too late. Um, <laughs> some of us it's too late hey look no judgment i hope that you're listening to us um and having a good time um if you're on your commute obviously hope you're sober and safe um but yeah uh you know i titled this show simply soccer so at any given point we could talk about anything that comes up um in the soccer world but um christian actually has a yeah, side project. I'm excited. Under the uh, the Simply Soccer Network, so to speak, we have built a, an, a media empire, I guess. Um, me and uh, Jamie Bacon, you might know her as Slice. She was on a couple of episodes last season and in season two as well. Um, we're going to be covering uh, the San Diego Wave. Uh, we are called uh, Surf Break. Um, whenever you want to come down and, and see your 
unofficial San Diego Wave podcast that's officially your favorite. Um, come down and join us. Um, we are releasing our first episode at some point this week. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, covering the San Diego Wave, NWSL, uh, more of the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, so do come and support. You can find us on Twitter at uh, surfbreakpod doc, or uh, at surfbreakpod, on Instagram at surfbreakpod. You can find me at cconway12. You can find Jamie at jmbacon. Can't remember the number. Um, but yeah, come and join us. We are super excited to have you there. Um, if you love my voice, and we'll have Michelle on as a guest, it'll be great. So do come and join us. And thank you so much for joining us for season four of Simply Soccer. Um, find your podcast app, rate us five stars, leave us a nice comment. Um, we really appreciate it. It makes us find cool people like you that are listening. Yeah, and uh, just like the Galaxy, we hope to come back strong this season. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>